0: The Second World War, a podcast by Stephen Bedard. We are all too familiar with war in the Middle East, and especially in Syria. We've seen images of ISIS atrocities in Syria, and refugees fleeing the violence. We may personally know Syrian refugees who now live in our communities. Of course, violence in Syria goes back many centuries, and Ancient texts describe battles that have taken place in this land. What many people do not realize is that part of the combat of the Second World War also took place in Syria. This is not the first place that we think of when we think of military campaigns of World War II. And yet something did happen here. Before getting into those details, let's take a look at the political situation in Syria at the time of the Second World War. As we saw back in episode 4, the map of Europe was drastically changed after the First World War. Well, there were changes in Asia as well. Germany and Austria-Hungary's ally, the Ottoman Empire, was also defeated. The Ottoman Empire was the leading Islamic state, and it controlled many of the familiar Muslim countries that we think of today. But the Ottoman Empire collapsed, and the territory was partitioned and split between the various allied nations. While the British took over administration of Iraq, France was given control over Syria and Lebanon. Thus, the mandate for Syria and Lebanon came into being in 1923. You might be wondering who mandated this, and it was the League of Nations, the precursor of the United Nations. These mandates were not meant to be old-style colonies, But rather, the governing nation was meant to be a trustee with an eye toward eventual independence of the client nation. It should be mentioned that it was a turbulent relationship and that there was even a Franco-Syrian war in 1920, which the French easily won. Interestingly, the leader of the Syrian forces, King Faisal, was made king of Iraq by the British as a way to shore up their power in that nation. On a side note, the interference of Western powers in the Middle East has just been a mess. But back to Syria. The end of the 1920 conflict left Syria with a pro-French government. This was a good setup at the beginning of the war with the Middle East in allied hands, since the allies were the British and the French. But as we've already seen, France fell early on to the Germans. While there were free French fighting the Germans, unoccupied France, including the colonies, were ruled by the Vichy government that was subservient to the Germans. This put Syria and Lebanon under the control of a government that had chosen to submit to Hitler. Before looking too closely at that, let's return briefly to Iraq. Iraq was given nominal independence in 1932, and although it was Technically a neutral country, the government was pro-British. In April 1941, Iraqi nationalists, with support from Germany and Italy, overthrew the pro-British government. Britain was not going to allow that to happen, especially as Iraq was an important link between two of Britain's valuable possessions, Egypt and India. And so the British made plans to retake Iraq. The battle for Iraq took place in May 1941. We're not going to go through all the battles of this campaign, but we'll note some relevant facts. The Germans were involved in this conflict, and a Luftwaffe unit was sent there to support the Iraqi nationalists. Not only that, but the Germans and Italians sent quite a bit of military supplies to the Iraqis, and this was mediated through the Vichy government in Syria. You can imagine how this affected the already bad relationship between the British and the Vichy French. The leader of the Iraqi Nationalists eventually fled to Italy and then to Germany where he was recognized by Hitler as the leader of the Iraqi government in exile. While the British were victorious and were able to reinstall a pro-British government, this conflict left the region unsettled. Near the end of May... Admiral Francois Darlin, on behalf of the Vichy government, signed the Paris Protocols that would allow the Germans to use military facilities in Syria. Already, German planes had used Vichy airfields in Syria to hit British targets in Iraq. There was the possibility that these bases might get used against Egypt and other targets in North Africa and elsewhere. The Paris Protocols also proposed a Vichy attack on British oil fields in Iraq. It can be said with confidence that Darlin was not a reluctant cooperator with the Axis. This was something that could not be ignored. Despite the reservations of General Wavell, the commander-in-chief of Middle East Command, Syria and Lebanon had to be taken. This was Operation Exporter. Unfortunately, this would not be a battle primarily against Germans or Italians. This would be Britain and her dominions fighting the French, those people who had been their allies against the Germans at the beginning of the war. And the Vichy French would not just provide a show of force for the sake of the Germans, but would fight hard against the British. In this campaign, which took place in June and July of 1941, It would be the Royal Australian Air Force against the Vichy French Air Force. It would be British and New Zealand naval forces fighting against French ships and submarines. Hey, do you love history? Did you know I have another history podcast called The History of Christianity? You don't have to be religious to be interested in the origins and the ups and downs of what eventually would become the largest religion in the world. So much of what we take for granted today, from hospitals to universities, was shaped by the church. Come and visit me at historyofchristianitypodcast.com and look for the podcast, The History of Christianity, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. The two territories that the British had to attack from were Palestine and Iraq. On the 8th of June, 1941, Australian troops moved north from Palestine into Lebanon, moving toward Beirut. But first they had to cross the Latani River. They were joined by some British commandos. The Vichy were able to blow the bridge and the Allies had to cross over a pontoon bridge. The Allies were victorious, although they suffered heavy casualties. On the 13th, the Australians reached Jazin, which is about halfway between Palestine and Beirut. They were able to take Jazin, as well as Sidon, to the west. In addition to the Australian troops, on the 8th of June, Indian troops crossed over from Palestine into Syria. The plan was for the Indian troops to open the way for the Free French to move toward Damascus. Remember, the Vichy were not the only French in this conflict. While a large number accepted the armistice and followed the Vichy government led by Pétain, there was a small but determined force that followed de Gaulle. The Indian and Free French forces found themselves up against the strong defensive position of Kisoy. The Vichy fought hard and had some success and the Allies made the decision to press on to Damascus rather than to solidify any gains at this point. The Battle of Damascus took place between the 18th and the 21st of June. The Indians and the Free French reached the city, and there was desperate fighting. Vichy had no intention of letting the city go. Things got pretty bad for the Allies at one point, and things were not looking good. Eventually, some British and Australian troops were able to support the fight, and Damascus was captured but that was not the end of the fighting. Vichy troops were also strongly positioned near the ancient city of Palmyra. One of the reasons for intervening at this place was to protect the pipeline that went from Iraq to Lebanon. In addition to the British force, there was also an Arab legion of Bedouins fighting on the Allied side. The Vichy, in addition to their foreign legion, also had Bedouin fighting for them. The British were victorious and this allowed them to travel west along the pipeline. You most likely have not heard of the Battle of deir zor which took place on the 3rd of July 1941 in eastern Syria. This battle is significant in part because it involved Indian troops led by William Bill Slim. In this battle, Slim would use tactics that he would later use in Burma against the Japanese. When we think of Lebanon and Syria, we think of Beirut and Damascus as the most important cities. But it was actually D'Amour in Lebanon that was the French administrative capital. The Australians, led by Arthur Allen, took D'Amour on the 9th of July. This pretty much sealed the fate of Lebanon and Syria. On the 12th of July, the Australians took Beirut, the last remaining major Vichy centre. On the 12th of July, a ceasefire went into effect, and on the 14th of July, 1941, an armistice was signed near Acre in present-day Israel. As we know, this was by far not the end of military action in either Lebanon or Syria. Not only that, this was not the last event to take place in the Middle East during the Second World War, but that is a story for another day. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please visit me at stephenjbedard.com slash secondworldwar. While I do this podcast because of my love for history, I will admit that there are some costs. There are ways for you to help financially so that I can continue this and my other podcasts. Consider supporting me on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash hopesreason. Even $2 a month, less than a cup of coffee, will help keep this podcast going. If you don't want to do something monthly, a one-time donation is more than welcome. Just go to my website, stephenjbedard.com slash secondworldwar and look for the donate button. Thank you for your support. Please find me on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you and God bless.